Did you teach Mo that song? She she started howling when I was singing. I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was applause or saying please stop. But you know, Keith was in Sunday school talking about his recording studio where he practices inside the cab of that Kubota tractor, right? Well, my Kubota is an open air amphitheater. <laughs> So my neighbors, God bless them. But anyhow, they do. But Children's Church is gathering over here with Brother Keith to my left, and you're right, going into the Welcome Center and welcome all of our young children to go to Children's Church with them. They'll have a great time. Look at here. Y'all don't look so sad, do you? But no. <laughs> it's all good. Thank you, brother. This is the fun bus. This is, I guarantee you. You won't need to say that too loud. There may be some big kids go with you. <laughs> Amen. Genesis chapter 39, if you, verse 21. We're going to read big pick up there today. Genesis 39, 21, and we're going to look into chapter 40 for a little bit today so we continue our journey here with our, our friend Joseph and all that uh, God is doing in his life and how he's working tremendously and preparing him for things that are ahead, and the preparation is somewhat painful. And all of us, if you've been serving the Lord for any length of time, you realize that everything that's happened in your life, good or bad, has been for the process of getting you ready for what's ahead. Amen? And so uh, we see that in Joseph's life, and I bet you'll draw some parallels maybe to your own today. But we're going to talk today about the painful purpose of patience. Genesis 39, 21. If you found your place in physically able, stand with me if you would. We're just going to read a few verses together uh, and then drop back here and look and see what all is happening in Joseph's life that will speak into ours. Genesis 39, 21. You'll remember this from last week. But the Lord was with Joseph, showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison and whatever they did there it was his doing the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him whatever he did the Lord made it to prosper chapter 40 it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their Lord the king of Egypt. The Pharaoh was angry with these two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. So they were in his custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in prison had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to obey. God, may you speak mightily into our lives and may we be open receptive and responsive to the word of God and the spirit of God today in the house of God may we all leave here changed and we may we all leave here with our heart right with you in obedience to your purpose for our life in Jesus name amen and amen thank you, you may be seated today I am speaking to you on the subject as I said the painful purpose of patience it will actually be part of it this week and some next due to the length of the narrative that we're trying to cover. Patience is a word that often carries a very negative connotation in our culture. Patience often causes people to think of enduring some sort of suffering, maybe even for an extended period of time. Most everyone that I know classifies themselves as being somewhat impatient some more than others. Much of that, I believe, is due to our culture today of things being readily available. Food, high-speed internet, Amazon Prime be on your door in a couple of days, as long as it don't go through the post office. Don't tell anybody I said that, but yeah. No, no, no. We're, we're, our patience is being tested somewhat in this culture because 
Some things are not as readily available and some things do not arrive in the time frame of which we anticipate. But regardless of our view of patience, we must understand that the times that we are being tested are times of great preparation for our future challenges throughout our journey with the Lord. I can see it over and over in my journey and I could imagine that the Holy Spirit would call to the memory of your heart times that you had to endure things that you did not want to endure, times you had to travel through uh, situations and circumstances you did not desire or ever dream of, yet on the other side you learned as Spurgeon said, when I cannot trace God's hand, I learn to trust his heart. I read this week that, that there are men in most cultures and even ours somewhat that place a high value on the ownership of a fine sword. You can go into some people's homes and they have them over their fireplace and different places of display. I remember my dad-in-law used to have one and when the kids were little, he would tell them that he used to be a pirate and he'd tell all these bunch of lies and all this kind of stuff and, and they'd just fall for it and I'd be sitting there thinking, who is this guy? But anyhow, in some cultures especially Eastern culture on the other side of the world, there's a special sword that men pride themselves in owning. It's called the Damascus blade. It's valued because of its strength and because of the edge for which it cuts with. It is the most treasured blade in Eastern culture. Well, the sword is also a biblical model for the word of God. The word of God refers to it in Ephesians 6, 17 where Paul told the church at Ephesus to take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. The writer of Hebrews, you're familiar in Hebrews 4, 12 tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Or Kent Hughes said this, he said, but there's also another sword. It's not just the sword of the spirit, the sword of the word of God there's another sword and that is the sword of a human life. A human life that has been submitted and so shaped and honed and tempered by God through the fires of life that it becomes a mighty blade of deliverance and a daunting instrument of salvation. Here's what Kent Hughes was saying. Not only is the word of God a sword, but it's a sword that can cut away the dross of the human life and present something very beautiful to God, a person submitted totally to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that has the ability to cut through this wicked culture and make a difference for the kingdom of God. You know, thus far in our journey in the life of Joseph, we've witnessed he's had a series of setbacks, hasn't he? You know, Tony Evans calls them detours, but detours is still not quite as bumpy as what he was going through, but he had some setbacks and detours that, God was using to prepare him. God was using these setbacks and these detours to sharpen his life because God had a greater purpose for him than he ever thought possible. Oh yeah, he knew that some things were coming. He could keep his eyes on the Lord, but I'm telling you, God was shaping him for greater things than especially his brothers ever saw coming. When we left off last week, Joseph had been faithful to reject the advancements of Potiphar's wife. And in every situation, God was with Joseph as he faced important and large tasks. And even as he faced the false accusations made by Potiphar's wife, which cost him dearly. So as we pick back up today, Joseph has been thrown into prison. Potiphar believed his wife, that old Genesis Jezebel I told y'all about last week. Oh, he believed her, threw old Joseph in prison, but there was something amazing that happened while he was in prison. The evidence that God was with Joseph was clearly seen by the warden of the prison. See, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. When God is alive in your life, and he's got his hand on your life and he's using you for his glory and the good of others, you cannot hide the evidence. Joseph was such a man. He was given a particular responsibility. Here he is 
in prison, no fault of his own, falsely accused, falsely in prison. So now he's got a big responsibility again. The prison warden said, man, God's on this guy. I'm gonna put him in charge. So how would he respond? Well, I believe we can learn some wonderful things today from the response of Joseph that we will understand the painful purpose of patience being exhibited in our life. First thing I want you to notice is is that there are some promises to embrace. You know, when it comes to our Heavenly Father and our relationship with Him, there are some important promises that we must embrace in order to endure the trials that we are sure to encounter. Listen to me. Adrian Rogers always used to say, you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or headed toward your next storm. Life is a series of storms, a series of setbacks, a series of detours. But all of them are in your life for the purpose of God's will being perfected and accomplished in your lifetime. So we got some promises we must endure. Here's the first one. The first promise we must endure is we cannot escape his presence. Isn't that good to know today? Joseph found that to be true. Our father, according to what scripture teaches us, is omnipresent. That means he's here, there, and everywhere. Wherever you've been, he's there. Wherever you are, he's there. Wherever you're going, he's all ready there. Boy, that is a wonderful comfort for the child of God today. Well, when you look through scripture, you see some people that tried to prove that wrong. You remember our friend Jonah, the prophet there in the Old Testament, the Bible said that he went down and he bought him a ticket and got on a boat to flee from the presence of the Lord. Now, you don't realize, and you look at the geography of that area, he was taking a boat to the farthest place he could go in the known world. But guess what? God was already there. God was there with him when he bought the ticket. God was there with him when he got on the boat. God was there with him when the storm came up. God was with him in the belly of the whale. And when God was with him when he went to Nineveh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, regardless of where you go, you cannot flee the presence of the Lord. Well, I know that's Jonah. That's the story of Old Testament. Tell me somebody else, preacher. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> David also knew. He learned that he was unable to hide from the presence of the Lord. See, Jonah fled because he didn't want to do what God told him to do. David was trying to hide because he did something God knew was wrong. Amen? But what did he write in Psalm 139, verse 7 and 8? Where can I go from your spirit? Now, you stay with me right here for a minute. We'll have church here in a minute, okay? Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence if I ascend into heaven? That's right, right? You've read this, haven't you, right? Okay. If I ascend into heaven, I'm there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. No, you think, wait a minute. She's talking about a literal burning hell. Listen, here's the scripture. That, that translation, the word hell, is also translated to the word grave, the place of the grave. Here's what he's saying. If I make my bed in the grave, you're there. If I ascend to the highest heaven, you are there. Here's what he's saying. I cannot flee from the presence of God and that should be a comfort to every child of God in the house today. Oh, but Joseph was also learning that too. Joseph learned it even when you're in prison. He's there. We can't escape his presence. No second thing. We will also encounter haughty people. Arrogance and pride come naturally to every person who has not surrendered their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know what you gotta do to be cocky? Nothing. It's already in you. You know what you gotta do to be prideful, sir, ma'am? You don't have to do a thing. You've already got a sin nature in you. You don't have to do one thing to practice being prideful. It's there. I'm telling you, and Satan will use the tool of pride against you to hinder you throughout your life if you let him. Oh, but I want to tell you, it's going to happen. If you're not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you can be certain, ladies and gentlemen, you will live a haughty, arrogant lifestyle. But I want to tell you, we will also encounter haughty people who are also not just unbelievers, 
They can also be people who profess to know Jesus Christ. Do you know that? I know some preachers, I told you, they can strut sitting down. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, and I'll tell you, if you're a preacher of the gospel and you've really walked with God and you've walked with the word of God, the son of God and filled with the spirit of God and you realize how many dangers and how many temptations and how many pitfalls and how many trials are out there, how can you strut? You're nothing without Jesus Christ using you for his glory. None of us have anything to offer him, but he has everything to offer us. Oh, sometimes it's even from those who've drifted into sin. It's even from those who profess to know Jesus but are out of fellowship with him and his church. What did Paul warn Timothy about? Second Timothy chapter three, I'll share with you briefly. He said, Timothy, in the last days, perilous times are coming. Y'all believe we're there? Does anybody need a newspaper? Well, how about this? We just read the Bible, amen? Look here. Men will be lovers of themselves. Mm-hmm. Lovers of money. Woo! Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Anybody been to the Target lately? Y'all been unthankful. Oh, Marty, we just sing about that day. I tell you right now, me and old Mo was having a concert there on the ridge. She likes to run wind sprints when I'm on the Kubota. And y'all, I'll tell you about old Mo. She's starting to get a little slow at night. She's only 17, which translates, she's only 119 years old. I mean, what in the world is she? But I tell you what, old Mo, she'll just sit there. She'll just, she's my best audience because she don't talk back. And I was just thanking God for these blessings. You know why, Marty? Because we got a world full of people and sadly it's invaded the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're not thankful for what God has done for us. Unthankful. Unholy. You say, well, preacher, I can't be perfect. Nobody said be perfect, but I'll tell you one thing. We can live holy lives before a culture that needs to see Jesus, amen? Unloving, unforgiving. Oh, my, my, my. When we get to the end of this story about Joseph, I'm telling you, we are gonna have a shouting time. I just know it. Unforgiving, people won't forgive. You know there are people who carry around unforgiveness in their heart, and that's nothing more than you over here drinking poison waiting on the person you refuse to forgive to die. It's ridiculous. Slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. You do good, you're under attack today. Traitors, headstrong, oh, here's the word, haughty. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then we have an admonition of how to handle this. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power. Ladies and gentlemen, I wanna tell you, the power is not in our stained glass windows. The power's not in our padded pews. The power's not in any instrument we have or any song that we sing. The power is from God through the Holy Spirit of God and through the Word of God. And the day we get dependent on anybody or anything else is the day that Ichabod, the glory has departed, will be written over the door of our church and we will no longer worship the Holy God. We'll be nothing more than a country club. How about you? But I know my Lord didn't go to the cross for a country club. He went to the cross to build a church that the gates of hell would not prevail against. We'll encounter hardy people. But there's a third thing. We must expect some heavy problems. <laughs> you know, the major reason Joseph was such an easy target was because there was evidence of God being on his life. Well, I tell you, when God's using you, the devil comes after you. If you hadn't had much trouble with him lately, it could be that you're not much of a threat to his kingdom of darkness. That's why when he comes after me, I just do like James says. Count it all joy, Marty, when you fall into divers' temptations. Count it all joy when you work for the master. Count it all joy when you live for the Savior. And whatsoever you ask, can nothing waver. Well, I believe it with all of my heart that when you live for Jesus, you put yourself in the crosshairs of hell. I really believe that. If you found yourself in the crosshairs of hell lately, just count it joy because that could very well mean, and it does very well mean that you are where God wants you to be. 
Believers today must expect to receive persecution. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 12, that all who live godly will suffer persecution. And that might mean that it hurts more than somebody talk bad about you and hurts your feelings, amen? That's really not severe persecution based on what our brothers are going through around the world today. We do so due to our commitment to the word of God and to the God of the word. Now keep in mind that these attacks are all a part of the way that God will shape your life so that you will fulfill his purpose and not your own. Those are some promises to embrace. But let's just move real quickly further. There are also some parallels to explore. See, the experience of Joseph at Potiphar's house and the one he had in prison have some real interesting parallels. In both cases, let me share two things with you. One, Joseph was a model of perseverance. He was able to persevere due to the fact that God was with him. Do you know how you're going to make it through this world? Do you know how you're going to be faithful to the finish? It's when you submit yourself completely and totally to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and allow the hand of God to direct your every step. That's how you're going to do it. He was able to do that. When he was sold into slavery by his brothers, when he was at Potiphar's house, when he was cast into prison, Oh, it was very clear that God's hand was on him. God never, ever forgot Joseph, and Joseph never forsook God. So what's the application for us today as New Testament believers? We have something very, have someone very special within us that was not performing this ministry in the Old Testament. You and I have the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Ghost, as a child of God, he indwells you at the moment you receive Christ as Savior. At the moment you repent of your sins and trust God, he, he dwells within you. And today we have within us the power to persevere because we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost today. And even though I want to tell you, there are times when the activities and actions of God's people grieve God and even grieve the Holy Spirit which dwells within them. He never leaves his children. Sir, I'm sure if you've raised children much past the cradle, they've done things or said things that upset you and hurt you and grieved you. And you may have been upset. You may have had to discipline them. You may have had to uh, bring some different boundaries into their life to corral them, whatever it might be. I understand that. But one thing you will not do as a daddy is you will not disown your children. Amen? I don't know about y'all, but that's real important to me. Amen? Amen? It's really important. Why? Because as an earthly father, if I can have that kind of commitment to my children, think how much more our heavenly father who has a perfect and holy love for his children has for us. Think how much more he loves us and cares for us and watches over us because he's holy. Oh, think about it. Oh, he was a model of perseverance. But he was also on a mission in prison. <laughs> he wasn't just there hanging out, was he? He wasn't over there going, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, agony on me. No, he wasn't singing hee-haw, was he? No, he was on a mission. His faithfulness combined with God's favor being on his life allowed him to be given a high level of responsibility. Look here, he had it at Potiphar's house, now he's got it in prison. And even when he suffered the pain of false accusations that even led to his imprisonment, Joseph stayed the course. Joseph had upon him what Gene Getz calls the God factor. I like that, don't you? You've heard of the fear factor? Did y'all ever watch that show? I tell you what, I would have probably done pretty good with stuff. I done pretty good with all those little tests, but eating some of that nasty mess they put on. Did y'all ever watch that? I'm not eating them worms. I'm not eating. Oh, no, but I'll tell you, it wasn't about fear. I thought they need to call this show the Common Sense Show. <laughs> not so common anymore. No, but the God factor is something real. And he was upon him, and Potiphar and the ward of the prison, they recognized that there was a correlation between the God that Joseph worshipped and his consistent success. So how do we apply that as New Testament believers? Well, I don't know about you, 
Based on the word of God, we're on a mission too. Amen? Aren't we on a mission? Jesus said these words, go ye therefore into all the world. So we're on a mission. Start right here at your front door, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We're on a mission. And you know what will happen? We're gonna experience some pain in the mission. When you go into enemy territory, and our guys have seen it in Utah, and we'll see it everywhere else, when you go there, you need to anticipate that Satan will open up the arsenal of hell on you. Amen? Adrian Rogers, you say this, when God opens the gates of heaven to bless you, Satan will open the gates of hell to blast you. Amen? I believe that with all of my heart. It's seen it too many times. We'll experience pain. We will experience pressure. We will experience chaos. We may even experience calamity, but that must not derail us from staying focused on the mission that is before us. You know, we just finished here this past week putting a budget together for next year and you get it in the mail and, and we'll have a conference in a few weeks and move on toward what we got ahead of us. But I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, and I believe it's very important to me in too many churches today, and I'm grateful I'm not a part of one of those, but in too many churches today, the budget drives the ministry instead of the ministry driving the budget. Amen? Now you think about that for me, and it'll come back. You'll catch it in a minute, okay? Too often we say, we can't, we ain't, we can't, we ain't. And all the time I'm looking around saying, no, we can't, but he can. And when he puts it in your heart, and he puts the mission in your heart and the ministry to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you cannot contain that by yourself. No, you can't do it. We can't let it derail us. I pray daily that the world around us will take notice of the commitment of the people of the Heflin Baptist Church that we would exhibit great commission living that we would demonstrate great commission giving that we would give of our resources and ourselves that God would be glorified that he would be honored that his name would be lifted high and that it would be very clear to the world around us that his hand is on our life well, I got to hurry because I'm running out of time. I looked up at the clock. You know what it means? Nothing. But anyhow, okay, look here. No, stay with me. We could talk about there's some people to explore. We can talk about the butler and the baker. And I, I'm just going to just fast forward because I got to get to the end. If I don't, I'm so excited about the end. Amen. I know y'all thinking we've been looking for it too. All right. No, no. Chapter four, he tells us about two important people to the king, the butler and the baker. They got put in jail too. And we're not really sure what they did. But it had to be pretty bad. Let's talk about the butler first. The word butler is also translated cupbearer. Maybe in your translation you might see that. But this man had to be one of the most gifted and also had the supreme trust of the king because he, like Nehemiah, that you read about, was responsible for tasting the king's food before it got to the king. So somebody tried to poison the king, bye-bye butler, right? I don't know about y'all, but I don't want that job. Not at all. Well, he, he had a dream. Let's talk about his dream. He experienced an alarming dream, and he did not know its meaning, and we, we, we'll fast forward. But Joseph noticed that he had a real sad face after he had this dream, and he asked him about it. We realized that Joseph was divinely placed there to assist him in his hour of need. Not only have a real strange dream, but notice his destiny. Joseph revealed to him that his dream meant that he was going to be restored. You remember how God used Daniel to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream? It's the same thing happening here with Joseph. He said, you're going to be restored in three days. I don't know about you, but if I'm the butler, that's good news. Joseph had a request. Verse 14, 15, he says, hey, when you get back up there at the king, Hold on that thought, more on that in a minute, okay? What about the baker? Well, the baker worked real closely for the butler because the baker was responsible for making sure the food was prepared. The butler was responsible for tasting it so, for the, so the king wouldn't be assassinated by poison. He also, let's talk about his dream. He had a very strange dream in verses 16 and 17, and I won't take time to read through all that, but he had a strange dream that also perplexed him, and he wasn't sure of the meaning. So both of them are here before Joseph. 
But notice his destiny. <laughs> it wasn't very favorable. Verse 16, 17 details a dream. Verse 18 and 19, Joseph says, well, you know, in three days you're going to know something too. But you're not going to be restored. They're going to hang you. They're going to feed you to the birds. So in three days, guess what happened? Both dreams came true. The butler was restored. The baker was executed. But what about Joseph's request to the butler? Look there in verse 23, if you will, of chapter 40. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. Wow. Wait a minute. How could the butler forget him when he'd been so good to him? You ever been real good to somebody and, and they forget you? It hurts your feelings, don't it? I know some of you are like, you can't hurt my feelings. I'm too tough. I don't have anything. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Everybody, I used to think my feelings didn't matter. Did you ever do that? You know what I used to do with my feelings? I used to just shove them down in my leg somewhere, right, down in my big toe. I just push them down and didn't want anybody to see my feelings, didn't want to ever let my feelings out. And I'm not a big crier or anything. You ever see me crying? It's been real bad. But I'm just saying, I'm just not into all that. That's just not how God's wired me. It's not against people who do. I wish I could be more like that sometimes. It would probably help me deal with stress better. But I mean, I used to think my feelings didn't matter. I had a man help me one time. He sat across from me. He told me, he says, let me tell you. He said, I figured out something you need to know is your feelings matter. He said, it's okay for you to allow feeling to show. And that was really liberating for me. Now, I'd like to tell you I've perfected it, but I haven't. I'm, I'm still guarded somewhat because of life experience. But this guy right here, he says, just one thing, Mr. Butler, when you get back up there to the king's house, put in a good word for me. Tell, tell him what's happened down here. Don't forget me. But I bet like Joseph, you've been forgotten before. Maybe it was by a trusted friend. You ever put trust in somebody before and wish you hadn't? Please, somebody go, mm-hmm. All right, just say, it's all right. Nobody's looking, no. Yeah, they are looking, but they ain't supposed to be. Looking, looking. You're, you, you, sometimes you're forgotten by friends. Sometimes you're even forgotten by family. Well, that's tough, isn't it? It hurts. Yeah, it happens all the time. So, sometimes you may even feel like you've been forgotten by your Heavenly Father. But I want you to know that even though your friends and your family may forget you, your Heavenly Father cannot he has bought you you are his have you ever felt guilty excuse me felt forgotten when you may have suffered as Joseph did some false accusation when you did did you, did you remain faithful did you stay true to what God told you but vindication never seemed to come your way and you're wondering wait a minute God you know that was false you know it wasn't true have you forgotten me well, if so, I want to share just three quick principles with you that I believe will help you learn to wait and even anticipate the moving of God upon your situation. I want to finish by talking today about some principles to exhibit. One, we must guard against allowing bitterness to live in our hearts. Wow. What, what did the scripture say about that? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15 says these words. Pursue peace with all people in holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. Did you hear that? Wow. Verse 15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Wow. I remember once I had this lady in my office many years ago. I had only been her pastor just a short time, maybe just a matter of months, so she barely knew me. She came into my office and she began to tell me all the things that were terrible about the church she used to go to. It's in Georgia. She went to a church in Alabama. 
And she told me, and that's not in Cleveland County, not anywhere near here, but she said all the things that were wrong, all the things that were wrong with the preacher, all the things that were wrong with the youth pastor, and all the things that were wrong with this and that, and all. And she just, I mean, this, and I began to summarize real quickly this lady is very bitter. And I asked her how long it had been. It had been like 20 years. And I knew, and I've learned this about being a pastor. If you bring to this church that you're ticked off at some other preacher, it won't take you long to get ticked off at me. Now, I'm not going to try to tick you off, but I'm going to tell you, you've brought. So you know what? I already don't like preachers, and, 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 and I'm already mad at one, so why not two? Amen. I had a lady come to the altar one time at church I served, and she told me, she said, I want to join this church because I like church. You're not, not like my last church, and I'm still mad at the last preacher. Went on, and I knew that preacher personally, and I said to her, I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to let you join this church today. <laughs> Why not? I said, because you need to go back and get that right first. And I said to her, I said, I know him, and if you will call in the morning at 8 o'clock and ask his ministry assistant if she'll set you up an appointment, you can talk with him, and I assure you that he'll be more than happy to help you work out whatever problems you got. So you know what I did the next morning? I called him. And I said, brother, I just want you to know. And I gave a lady, I said, she can't, I just want you to know. This is what I said in case there's any. Because you know what happens? Things get lost in translation sometimes, Right? So I said to him, you know what he said? He said, brother, I really appreciate that. I said, no, listen to me. People were shocked. And I said, why? I said, I'll tell you why. Because if you bring a baggage of bitterness, you will spread that bitterness everywhere. And so if you've got any callous on your heart or anything to get right, today'd be a good day. And I'm telling you this, why? Because I care about you. I want God's best for you. And you cannot get to where God wants you to be carrying around a baggage of bitterness. It won't happen. Look, I've had enough to happen to me in ministry. I could, I've got a right to be bitter. <laughs> At least I think I do. No, I really don't have a right to be bitter, but in my human thinking, I do. But you know what? I want to tell you what's helped me and what's helped me so much, and I want to help you, is don't carry it around. Give it to God. Take it to an altar and leave it at his feet. I said to this lady, We'll call her Flossie. Ain't nobody got a ain't Flossie, do you? I said, Flossie, I said, I want you to listen to me. I said, I want you to know I love you. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for what you've experienced. Some of it legitimate. But I said, here's what's happened. The Bible tells us to guard against even a root of bitterness springing up in our heart and in our soul. I said, ma'am, you've got a full-grown water oak tree in your heart. See, I'm not a real good counselor. I'm just, it's not my gift. But I just said to her, I said, what's happened is you've allowed that root to grow and grow and grow to the point now that it has overtaken your life. We've got to guard against bitterness. Here's the second thing. We must guard against drifting from God in difficulty. Listen, it's easy. What have I got to do to drift? Nothing. You'll drift on your own. Given to yourself, you'll drift. You got to guard your heart against drifting away. Stay close to God. And then lastly, we must guard against the tendency of vindicating ourselves and wait on God. Let me ask you this. You could have been falsely accused of things and you're waiting God to vindicate. You could have been rightfully accused and you need to repent today. But regardless of your situation, God loves you right where you are and he loves you too much to leave you there. <laughs> I wonder if we've even asked the Lord for help. Sometimes we'll say, God's not helping me. I can't see God doing and we've never even asked him. He Jesus told him in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come unto me, all you are heavy laden, rest, heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It reminds me of an old hymn that I love. And it says these words. Tempted and tried, we're all made to wonder. 
it should be thus all the day long while there are others living around us never molested though in the wrong. Oh, farther alone we'll know all about it. Farther alone we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. <clears throat> Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. But you know, I can't let you go to the table. My favorite verse is the last one. When we see Jesus coming in glory, when he comes from his home in the sky, then we shall see him in that bright mansion. We'll understand it all by and by. Help me, Mark. Farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. A cheer up my brother live in the sunshine. We'll understand in Jesus name I want to thank you for what you've allowed us to be a part of this morning Father I want to thank you for the blessing you've given us of just having a place as we learned in Sunday school a place and a people and a purpose of being here today Father, I have no idea knowing what's among the needs of the people. But, oh, God, I know you do. Father, for those who have sin that needs to be confessed, salvation that needs to be claimed today through their repentance, oh, God, I pray you give them courage to step into that nearest aisle and come and receive salvation free and clear today. Father, for those that have drifted, Oh, God, how easy it is with the media bombarding us and everything else to get so focused on all of that that we miss your purpose. I pray, God, that you'd bring them home. God, I pray for those, God, that are bitter today, got roots and maybe even trees of bitterness. God, I pray that they'd bring it to you and leave it there. God, I pray for your children who need to make decisions for you about their faithfulness, their obedience, and the fulfillment of your call upon their life. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters and my friends right here that may be struggling through hard times right now. Father, I know in my own life, I see every day you're chipping away, chipping away what doesn't look like you that you might present us fully mature conformed to the image of your dear son and for those looking for answers today may we realize we'll never may not see it this side of heaven but God one day in glory we'll understand and none of this will matter anymore we love you Lord the heads bowed and eyes closed. Here's the invitation today. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're not going to sing a word to begin with. We're just going to stand together in the stillness. And I know it's a little awkward sometimes. Sometimes you got to allow yourself to be awkward, to allow yourself to be vulnerable for God to bring out his best in you and his church. But we're going to stand and here, here's the invitation whatever you need from the Lord. If you just need to come and just find a place and say, God, I just want to pour my heart out to you today. I'm struggling. I'm drifting. Lord, i got some bitterness. I need to leave it. 
and, and I guarantee you others will pray with you. I guarantee nobody, as we said in Sunday school, nobody should pray alone. I'll come just lay a hand on a brother or sister and just pray with them. Just say, God help them. Whatever it is you need from the Lord today, we're going to ask you just to be honest with yourself and honest with God. I'll be right here to receive you, and I'm here to help you. Now, I wouldn't hurt you for nothing in this world. But I desperately desire to see God move and work among his people. And I just want to invite you to be obedient. So in just a few moments, I'm going to pray real quickly. We're going to stand. And we stand, our heads are going to be bowed, eyes are closed, in attitude of prayer. As the music plays, as God has spoken to your heart, listen, I'm not a manipulator or a coercer. I'm just a gospel preacher. And I'm throwing out my old buddy Matt used to have the lifeline, the life preserver of the gospel. And I'm pleading with you to grab a hold of it so we can pull you to a relationship with Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, save somebody here today is my prayer. Restore joy to those that are bitter and drifting. Build a church that will touch the world with the gospel. Starting right here at our front door. I give you praise. Amen and amen. Right where you are, just stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's singing. Just the music's playing. God has spoken to your heart today. In the stillness of this moment, to make any decision for him. I plead with you. I remember I stood right where you're standing. I remember when God was calling me to preach and I said, God, I'm a boy. I don't know anything. I really believe I heard God speaking to my soul at night and say, son, you've been a follower too long. I want you to lead. I didn't build you to fit in. I built you to stand out. God is calling you right now in these moments. Would you just come? Maybe you just want to come pray. Maybe you want to just come and just get before the Lord. Maybe you need us to help you. We're here for you. Would you just come?
back and sing that very first verse. And let's sing it like we mean it, church. Amen. Just as I am without one plea. Because let me tell you, if you're a child of God, this is where you stood when God saved you. Not one plea. And if you are a child of God, there's a world full of people beyond these walls that that's where they stand. Maybe you're here today, you're not one of God's children. You never trusted Him, never repented of your sins and trusted Jesus and Him alone for salvation. And this is where you stand, friend. But you know what? Without a plea, He took the pain for you. He's the one who pleads your case. Amen. So whatever it is, like I said, you need from God. Don't you sing this verse like you mean it, church? It's the message we embrace and the one that we must extend to a world that needs to hear it so desperately. Sing when you're ready, Mark. Sing from your heart now. I'll tell you, I appreciate y'all and enduring uh, some of my singing today, but I tell you, I'm like the song, How Can I Keep From Singing? It's just in you. And if you don't let it out, it'll, it'll, it'll hurt you, amen? But if you'll let it out, the old country preacher said it'll hope you, amen? So I thank God for that, and I appreciate you being so kind and attentive today. Boy, I really sense the presence of the Lord in the place today, don't you, Amen. Now, I want to say to you before we even, you know, receive offerings of like this and tithes, listen, if God has spoke to your heart today, I'm always out there, okay? Look here. You don't ever walk by and say, oh, somebody's got him tied up. He's too busy. If you need to be saved, interrupt me, amen? I will never, ever. And if anybody has a problem with that, then we need to get them saved too, amen? You know why? Because where you spend eternity, friend, is the most important. That's why we're here today, Amen? So don't ever feel like that. I, I've had people over the years say, I was going to talk to you, but somebody, no, no, no. I am never too busy for you, especially when it comes to tell somebody about Jesus. I really, really, when I tell you I love you and there's nothing to do about it, I mean that. I'm not just chunking words around and trying to sound preachery. I really care about you, and I want to see you in glory. See, I'm going there, okay? That's already taken care of. I didn't do it. He did it. I mean, I, I'm like, you know, the Polar Express. He done punched my ticket a whole bunch of times, right? But you know what? Here's the thing. I want you there too. And it'll be a lot sweeter if you're there. Amen. Amen. We're going to give today like we do every day. And giving is worship, right? The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 12 that we they're not to be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewal of our mind, and that we may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He tells us that that we need to get that that our giving is our reasonable act of worship. It is, so I'm grateful for that. So as we serve and give, just know that we're giving to be a part of something that the world needs. Hell can't stop, and God will use to touch the lives of people that we may never know this side of heaven. So as we give today, let's give sacrificially and joyfully and cheerfully, trusting God to do great things through the faithfulness of his people. Join our hearts together as we pray.
I know these gals that play instruments, Marty and Timbo up there and Carla and Steve, all y'all that just make all this stuff go for us every week. Would you just take a minute and just thank them, let you know you're thankful for them today. Amen. Very thankful for these guys because they possess something that I, that I don't have a lot of, and that's uh, technical knowledge and things like that, and they've just done a great job. The Lord's blessed us, and you as a church have embraced our uh, you know, advancement of all of our equipment and our online presence and all the different things that we were kind of had to do out of necessity, but uh, you know, me and Steve still laugh about it sometimes. How you know, March twenty second, twenty twenty, we were here with a smartphone. He said he was here with a smartphone and a dumb preacher. But no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. He didn't. He didn't say that. I'm just cutting up. I just have those moments. You know, it's ADD. Y'all just forgive me. But anyhow, no, uh, he did. He was real great and they helped him Tim worked up there you know kind of like hands in a glove they both uh, complement each other well and our get ladies that do the computer Carrie does Tina does and the, and all, all and Carla there today and Miss Brenda I'm just very grateful for all the, the folks that do those things and that help us in ways sometimes we could take for granted you know you just get used to seeing it and it's just like oh well it's going to be there and then we just want you to know we're thankful for everyone. I'm thankful for every one of you. Do you know that? I really am. I love you more than you ever know. I, I always tell you I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it, and I mean that. I especially mean it this week and Thanksgiving coming upon us. And I'm, I pray you have a great week uh, this coming week. I'll see there's no Wednesday night this week because of Thanksgiving, so do remember that. But next Wednesday night, I don't encourage you, if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, you possibly can, 6 o'clock, I think you will be greatly blessed by doing it. Hopefully we're looking into after Christmas to be able to start back like we used to have a meal. It may look a little differently and stuff. We're going to do things a lot differently because, uh, you know, it was a, a lot, and I've realized how much was on our folks, so we're going to kind of revamp that. But we're hoping after the end of the new year we can get that started back on Wednesday night, and that will help some. But uh, we'd love to see you. So not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. Uh, we'd love to see you on Wednesday nights. 4.30 for the choir today. Let's be all hands on deck. Christmas musical, December 19th. You don't want to miss that. Some great songs, wonderful message, and it'll be a great time. So coming into this time, especially with Christmas season, the musical's on the 19th, Christmas Eve service on the 24th. You know it's on the 24th this year. Just want to let y'all know that again. But, uh, you know, they keep changing it on or something. But... Uh, I tell you, Christmas Eve has become one of my favorites. I mean, last Christmas Eve, what a wonderful time. You know, man, I tell you, it's just sweet. So Christmas Eve at 5, we're here for an hour or less, and, and, and we're going back to the rest of your family stuff. If you possibly can, put that on your calendar. If you can't, you're out of town, pray for us. Watch it online with your family. You know, bring all your family together and say, hey, we're going to watch this. You just never know. They might get saved right there on Christmas. Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be awesome, preacher. That'd be really good, I think. Let's stand together. Hey, just know you love. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to be out front. If there's anything you need, like I said, if God moved on your heart, you say, hey, I need to get something right. I need you to pray with me. Uh, I'm right there. Be there to, to, to receive you, okay? Have a great afternoon, Marty.